tonight, I'm not going to be long. But I feel like the Lord has given me just four simple points that I believe if you were to put these into practice in 2020, and these aren't, this isn't, this isn't anything new, super revolutionary, just some reminder of some things, that if these things were in your life in 2020, I believe a year from now when we are at the, 20, the end of 2020, you would say, man, did God move in my life, in my family. Come on, anybody listening tonight? Now listen, not all four of these may be for you, but my prayer was that everybody here tonight, one of these would jump out to you, and this would be like God's word for you. You understand that, that one of them would, and this God, God would be saying, this, this is what you need to do in 2020. Now listen, I'm going to tell you where we're headed at the end of this. This is, this is what you don't do with a message like this. You don't hear it and then be like, yep, I'm going to do it. Yes, sir. Okay, listen, your flesh doesn't want to do any one of these four things. So we're going to celebrate communion at the end. And with communion in our hands, we're going to say, God, I, I can't do this without your help. And we believe God's going to do something. All right, you ready? So four things as you head into 2020. And I'm going to try to, they're, they're simple just two-word phrases, so try to remember them as we go along because we'll review when we hit each point. As we go into 2020, I believe it's crucial that everybody in this place, number one, pray hard. Somebody say pray hard. Have you noticed lately as you look around our society, our society's kind of gone nuts? And that nutty society is knocking on your family's door? Come on. Just a few weeks ago, on the Wednesday, those of you who come on Wednesdays, you heard the story. Most of you didn't. But just a couple weeks ago, uh, my, my six-year-old son, Luke, I went with him in his school to the B&O Railroad. We were having a wonderful time looking at the old locomotives and recounting the history of the railroad, which started right here in Baltimore. And suddenly Luke says, I got to go to the bathroom. I said, I do too. We asked somebody. We walked across the rotunda floor there. And we got into a hallway. And there was a door on one side. And there was a door on another. So what's the next thing you do? Which is the guys and which is the girls. Come on, somebody. So I walked to the right side. It said gender neutral. I walked to the left side. It said gender neutral. Now I'm flipping out. I'm not going in the bathroom where there's a female in there. But we got to go to the bathroom. So I opened the door. Anybody in there? Hello? I think it's empty, Luke. Let's make this quick. Come on, l l listen, listen how crazy you are. We live in a society where we tell women, listen, don't allow men to, to bully you. If someone is putting sexual pressure on you, make sure you speak up. And then we make the bathroom an unsafe place for anyone to go to. I'm telling you, friend. And listen, God has given us as Christians a weapon to fight back against these things even greater than our vote. Use that one too. But I'm telling you, if my people who are called by my name will cry out and say, God, would you put a hedge about me and my family? Would you help us to stand firm during these times? How many believe God will answer that prayer? Listen, if ever there was a time that you needed to hear these two words in 2020, pray hard, it's today. I read over the past year stories of kindergarten classes, kindergarten classes and below where the curriculum is telling the kids, listen, you may not really be a boy or a girl. That's your decision. Isn't it crazy we live in a society 
of such scientific advancement, yet we can't even settle the fact that biology tells us there's only two sexes, a male and a female. And I'm just, I'm, listen, I'm not trying to stir you up to anger tonight, but just as a reminder, if ever there was a time for the saints to pray hard, it's today. Would you say amen? Come on, think about it. Think about it, dads and moms. There's an enemy prowling around your house wanting to break in, and God has given you a weapon to keep him at bay. In the name of Jesus, watch over my wife and my family, God. Keep them at bay. Here was Peter's advice. Listen, here's Peter's advice to the church when he wrote in 1 Peter 4, 7. He said, the end of all things is near. Now I want to ask you. Do you think the end of all things is nearer than when Peter wrote those words 2,000 years ago? Yeah. Here's what he said. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. In other words, don't look around and just say, you know, throw up your white flag. I give up. What can I do? Pray hard. I was with a pastor friend of mine a few weeks ago, and... Uh, we were just sharing about some things, and he says, man, I got a powerful testimony of something that's happening in one, in one of the high schools in the city. He has a real heart. His church is in the city. He has a real heart for the city. He says, God's been doing some things at, at, at Douglas. Um, it's not Douglas. It's Frederick Douglas High School. Now, just, just a little background. Frederick Douglas is where the riot, the Freddie Gray riot started. Those kids coming out of school started throwing rocks at the cops at Mondamin Mall. Frederick Douglas High School is right across. How do you, how do you remember that? I mean, that was kind of beginnings. A year ago, someone went in and shot somebody inside. Of, I mean, it's got a really, really bad history. Well, a pastor, not the pastor that I was with, but a pastor that, that, that he knows well, went to that principal and said, you know, I'd like to start a prayer meeting in your school. I'd like you to come. I'll bring a group of people once a week. You hand us a list of what you want to see, what you feel like needs to happen in this school for it to turn around. And we'll pray through that list. This started at the beginning of this year. 15 to 20 people would show up every week. The principal would join them. He made a list. He's like, this, this, this might seem like impossible, but this, this is some things that need to happen. Just a few weeks ago, it might be a month ago or now, the principal walked into that prayer meeting. He says, I need to make a new prayer list. God has answered every one of those things that we've been crying. Come on, God is the answer of prayer. How, how many of you would agree with me that Christians can be a complaining crowd? And God has given us a weapon. Let's pray a lot more than we complain. Come on, somebody. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Come on. Could, could, could we do something right now? Could, could we just be off the hook a little bit tonight? Yeah. Would you just stand to your feet? And would you just lift up your voice and cry out right now for your own life into 2020, your own family, for God to move in our church? Come on, everybody in this place, would you lift it up right now? God, let the prayer hard start right here and right now. God, if ever we needed you, God, it's right now. If ever we needed a hedge about our families, God, the Spirit of God at work, it's today. God, if ever we needed your presence here at Eastern Assembly of God, it is this hour, God. So we lift our voices up, God. We cry out to you, God, move in our lives Move in our families, dear God. Move in our midst, Father. That the name of Jesus might be lifted high. And that we might see you at work in powerful ways. Turn to your neighbor and say, Amen. You may be seated. 
as you head into 2020, please pray hard. Number two, you need to make sure that you live right. Say live right. How many of you believe as believers we're called to honor the Lord with our lives? Paul wrote to Titus these words. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. About two months ago, I was looking on Facebook and I ran across a post from a pastor that I knew well. I pastored in Michigan prior to coming to to, to Maryland, and this pastor was just in the town south of me. I remember getting together with him. I, I knew him pretty well. And this is what his post said, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, I have to make a confession today. And he's doing, he's doing this on Facebook for all to read. He says, for the last 40 years, he says, I've lived a double life. He says, I've gone to massage parlors. I've cheated on my wife. I've stolen from the church and gambled. He says, he says, it's about to go public. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to let you know that it's true. And I might spend the rest of my year. He stole $150,000 over five years from a small church in, in, in Michigan. Come on, somebody. And it, it shook me to its core. I, I mean, listen, listen, friend. If you're playing church, why? Come on, somebody. You're, you're not going to impress God by impressing your neighbor sitting next to you. Come on, it's important that we live right. And, and I realize, listen, you're not going to get to heaven in a sense by how you live. You get to heaven by receiving Jesus as your Savior. But when he comes in, the Spirit of God comes in, and the Spirit of God begins to transform you and help you to live a godly life that you could not live in and of yourself. Is that not true? Yeah, if you will, the Holy Spirit is out, is out to eradicate sin in you, to push it out of you so that you can live a godly life. Peter said these words, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against the soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that although they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits you. Come on, somebody. Think about how God rewarded some men in the Bible whose heart and lives were after God. Think of Noah. How easy was it to live a righteous life in Noah's day? He was the only one. Come on, look around. You got some people around you tonight who are in this thing with you. Can you imagine being Noah, living in an ungodly, violent society and being the only one on the earth with a heart after God? And how did God reward Noah? Yeah, saved his life and the life of his family. Come on, think about Abraham. God said to Abraham, get, 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 get out of your land. Abraham left. He was a righteous man. At what point Abraham was concerned because Lot, his relative, was stuck in Sodom. And the angel of the Lord told Abraham, I'm going to wipe out Sodom. And Abraham says to God, would you, would you destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? Abraham understood the line that God has. Come on, somebody. If you're living for God, man, the favor of God, the goodness of God, the blessing of the Lord is on your life. However, listen, if you don't take this serious, sin is like a clog in the pipes. Listen to me. Now, now listen, aren't you glad that when you mess up, there's forgiveness? But how many of you know you can get sloppy in your Christian life? 
where no longer are, are you sensitive, no longer are, are, are you quick to flee. You just kind of start letting stuff into your life. It's like, it's, like a clog, it's like a clog in the pipes. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he'll not hear. If you kind of wonder what this looks like, listen, next time your toilet clogs up, just keep flushing it. Clog in the pipes. Are you listening? You know, you, know, you know one of the hardest things for me as a pastor, somebody say, go ahead, pastor. It's when I see someone come to Eastern Assembly and they get saved. And they're on fire. And you can see God working in their life. I mean, it's just, just awesome. But somewhere along the way, they begin to make some choices that take them back towards their life of sin. Maybe that boyfriend or girlfriend that they said goodbye to when they first got saved because they knew that that person was, was going to drag them down comes knocking again. Come on, somebody. What, whatever it is. And then suddenly you see them coming into church. And that joy that was once on their face is gone. Now living for God is, is not a joy, it's a drudgery. Because the pipes are clogged. Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. This pastor wants to see the blessing of God on you and your family. Come on, somebody. And I know, listen, I know what the devil, he wants to set a trap for you. He wants you to get stuck in it, stay in it, so that what God intended in the blessing of the Lord in your life won't come to pass. Come on, somebody. You know something I'm grateful for? Somebody say, go ahead, pastor. I'm grateful that I followed a pastor Pastor Rodwano, for 42 years. Now, I've, I've actually, did you know that, that I'm, I'm starting my 18th year as your pastor right now? This is, it was December 29th. December 29th, 2000. And so, but listen, in my 18 years, I've never, I've never had my secretary come to me and say, you know, we found something in the books. Pastor Rodwano was, was lifting a little money. Never had a woman come forth and say, you know, Pastor Radwano made a pass at me. He, he lived a godly life. You, you understand? I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for that tonight, for the, for, the, for the legacy of people who over the long haul, because listen, you can build your godly reputation, it takes a long time, and you can destroy it in a few moments. Huh? What, what good would it be if I could impress you with a sermon and then you find out by talking to my wife that I'm a bear of a husband at home. What, what good would it be, come on somebody, if I pretend to be something only for my five-year-old in Sunday school? Listen, if you're a five-year-old Sunday school teacher, you know everything about everybody. You know what I mean? It's like, anybody have any prayer requests? Yeah, mommy was, daddy was yelling at mommy yesterday. You know what I mean? God. L listen. Let's get... It's, it's not that you have to be perfect, but you need to be sincere and serious about your walk with God. That when God puts his finger on something, that you're quick to turn and walk away. Can you say amen? amen. Live right. You say, Pastor, can I repent? Yeah, of course you can. But repentance means to turn from, to do away with. Come on, somebody. I love Paul's words to young Timothy. Some thought Timothy, when he was appointed to church, the pastor of the church, was a little too young. 
And let me tell you what Paul didn't tell Timothy to do. Paul didn't tell Timothy, stand up on Sunday and preach a sermon on submission, telling all the people that you're the man of God now and you all need to listen. Not what he said. Here's what Paul told Timothy to do. He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Now here's advice. But set an example. Somebody say set an example. For the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. I read the newspaper article after my friend in Michigan went public with his confession. Everybody in Lansing, Michigan, his church is not right there, but in the area, knows what that pastor did. Now, it's really the mercy of God because that pastor now has a chance to make things right. It's, it's all open. Can, can I tell you something about God? God would rather not do that. God would rather convict you in a service like this and you get it right and you turn. God, God doesn't take pleasure in the public exposure of sin. But can I remind you tonight, there's going to come a day when everything that's hidden will be revealed. You understand that? There's going to come a day when some people are going to stand before God that you thought were, were godly. And, and, it's, and it's going to be, come on somebody, let's get it right. Wouldn't tonight be a great night to lay some weight of sin down at this altar and just say, Jesus, wash me clean. I'm so sorry. Wouldn't tonight be a great night for that? Listen, listen, I'm telling you, in a crowd this size, it's assured there is at least somebody here that if God were just to put on the screen what's really going on, you'd really be ashamed. Can I tell you there's mercy for you? There's grace for you? But this isn't a game, friend. In 2020, let's live right. Can you say amen? All right, so, so let's review. These are easy. Number one. Pray hard. Number two. Number three. Love much. Love much. What is the answer to all the visceral hatred in our nation? I mean, you can't even talk to somebody and disagree with them without somebody getting mad. No, you're wrong. I'm right. You say, well, I know, Pastor. I just write on Facebook. Leave me alone. That's not the answer. You know, there was an apostle, a disciple who outlived all the others by a good bit. Anybody know who that was? John. John. All the other apostles, the, all, the, all the other 12 were, were martyred. They were, they were killed because of their love for Jesus. Only John died of old age. Many believe he was in his 90s. So John had a much longer perspective of what was going on in the early church than anyone else. And here were John's words after many years of reflection on, on where the church was going. Here's what John wrote. He said, dear friends, in 1 John 4, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Can I tell you tonight, the evidence that you love Jesus is not how high you jump in church, but how deeply you love outside of these walls? I'm going to try this side. This side was quite, kind of quiet. Can I say it again? I'm not saying it's wrong to get excited about the Lord in church, but the, the, the evidence that you really love Him isn't how high you jump on Sunday. It's how deep you love on Monday. Are you listening? I'm encouraging you in 2020 to love much. If you, if you want to know the power of love, listen. One Wednesday night, just walk into the youth hall. 
and look at the number of youth who are there whose parents don't come to this church. So the question is, why do they keep coming every week? Come on, somebody say love. Yeah, because they, they know someone's going to care for them here. That somebody loves them. Somebody, somebody's, somebody's caring for them. Uh, you know, Pastor Chris, Christmas, Christmas Eve, you weren't here, but there was probably 20 uh, of those kids who just came to Christmas Eve service, found their own ride and just got here. And uh, it was pretty awesome. You say, but Pastor, if I really lavishly love on someone that I know isn't living right, won't they somehow interpret that as that I'm approving of, of their life? You know the problem with that thought process? Is Jesus didn't think that way. One time, Jesus was walking into town. There was a tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus who was a short guy who wanted to see Jesus. So he climbed a tree. Now let me tell you about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a Jewish tax collector. In order to be a Jewish tax collector, you basically had to say goodbye to all your Jewish friends, become a Roman because you were now taking money from your friends and giving it to the Romans. And you know what your Jewish friends thought of that? Yeah, you were basically dead to them. It was about the lowest thing that a Jew could do would be side with the Romans and then take money from your friends and give it to the Romans. All right? So Jesus walks up to the tree where Zacchaeus had climbed to get a view and Jesus says, man, i got to have lunch with you today. Now let me tell you what didn't happen. Later that day at lunch, Zacchaeus didn't stand up and say, hey, I must be okay because Jesus is having lunch with me. When he experienced the love and power of Jesus Christ, he stood up. He said, today, half, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, and it's really not if he cheated anybody, <laughs> it's everybody he cheated, I'll pay him back four times. Come on, that's the power of love. Would you, would you not agree with me that the dysfunction of the family has produced a generation of people that really don't know what love is? And what you experience and, and it's offensive in, in how people react, how they dishonor authority, uh, you know, how they react when you cut them off in their car. But really, it's an evidence of a culture that doesn't understand the depth of real love. And we say, well, I'd never act like that. My parents taught me better than that. Yeah, thank God you had parents who taught you better than that. What about the world around you that didn't have those parents to teach you those things? And they're looking for somebody who will just love on them. And show them the love of Jesus through their lifestyle. Can you say amen? How many of you know for many people the only life they're ever going to see about Jesus is the life that you're living? Amen? Say, Pastor, I, I try this. I, I, I commit to be nice. And, you know, I, I do that for about two weeks. And, and it, it just doesn't seem to pay me back. No matter how nice I am, people, people are still mean to me. So, so. I'm done with that. I'm just going to be mean like everybody else. Can I, can I remind you tonight, listen, that your call to love is not based on people's response to what you give them. Your call to love is based on the love of Jesus that has loved you. Come on with, come on with a lavish love that he pours on you. And he says, don't love as you've been loved, but love, I mean, don't love as you've been loved by others, but love as you've been loved by me. Come on, that's the call. Love as you've been loved by by God. Amen. When I was in Bible school in Minneapolis, we used to go out street witnessing on Friday nights. There was a group of us, and, and we weren't the only group out there. I'll never forget one Friday. 
Now, now we, we, we use, you know, we'd walk up to people, just talk to them, share our testimony, invite them to church. But there were some folk who were out street witnessing that used some really, really horrible tactics. And one of their tactics was to embarrass people. And I remember seeing one of these guys. He was not from the Bible school. I don't know what church he was from, where he was from, but they were very wrongly informed. And he was walking down the street behind this guy, pointing his finger and shouting very loudly, Hey, do you see this guy? He's a sinner and he doesn't want to talk to me. Look at him. Look at him. He's running from me. He wants nothing to do with God. No, I don't know that he wanted nothing to do with God. He wanted nothing to do with that nut who was pointing the finger at him over his head. Listen, most people in this world, they don't need you to tell them how sinful they are. Deep in their hearts, they already know that. And I'm not saying there's not a time to share the truth in love. But what most people need is someone to genuinely, deeply love on them and just see what God will do when you do that. Can you say amen? God, help us to to do it. Amen? So as we head into 2020, number one, pray hard. Number two, live right. Number three.